Hello and welcome to the Body Electric Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Hiltz. This is episode 16, and today's guest is Rebecca Hennessy. Uh, it's been a while since I've made a podcast. I've been super busy uh, getting ready to have a baby, and uh, I did a tour for three weeks out on the West Coast, and uh, I've been, you know, just crazy playing lots of gigs, which is great, but uh, I've really missed doing this podcast, and I can't think of a better way to get started by having my friend Rebecca come and play some trumpet with me. Um, so Rebecca is a very creative musician. She's a she's a composer. She's an improviser. Uh, she's a band leader, and uh, I think you'll be very interested to hear what she has to say about what she's doing. Um, if you're interested in checking out more about me, you can visit uh, NathanHilts.com. Uh, a few gigs that I've got coming up. Um, I'm at the Jazz Bistro this Sunday. Uh, I think it's December 13th from 7 p.m. till 9 p.m. playing the music of Richard Rogers with my trio. Uh, Morgan Childs can make this week, so I've got uh, Ted Warren filling in on the drums. And uh, Melissa Loren is going to be uh, singing some tunes with us uh, as well. So that'll be really fun. I think it's a $15 cover, uh, $10 for students. And uh, coming up in January, I'm going to be doing Wednesdays at the Rex with my trio. And we're going to have a different horn player each week. Um, so we're going to have Alex Dean, uh, Johnny Griffith, and Jake Kaufman is going to come play with us as well. So lots of cool stuff coming up. Um, I'm going to get back on to doing these more regularly. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Okay, so uh, enjoy the podcast, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. We are recording. All right. How's it going? Very good. Yeah, How good to you see you. How are you doing? Good, good to see you too. Yeah, thanks for coming over to my place. Of course. I think this is the first one I've done here. Oh, I did one here as well oh. with Jake Kaufman, yeah. Cool. But we were secluded in the basement, so it's nicer to be upstairs. This room sounds nice. Yeah. Lots of wood for your trumpet to bounce off of. <laughs> yeah. So how's trumpet going? It's great, yeah. Yeah? It's been really busy. I've been playing a lot of uh, different groups in, mm -hmm. in town, and um, I wish there was a bit more time to sort of just practice, um, so, mm -hmm. you know. Right. But then come January, maybe it'll be the other way around, right? Well, yeah. At least for me it is. Right now it's really busy, but... I'll actually yeah. be going to Panama to do the jazz festival with a group called Way North, with uh, Richie Richie Barche, Peter Kankura, and Michael Herring, and mm. myself, and we'll be playing and doing workshops there. Cool, Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been there? No. Nope. Been there? No. Wow. Got to work on my Spanish. That's cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, so is that a new group? Um, we formed in 2014 mm -hmm. when, when Michael and I were living in Brooklyn mm -hmm. um, on OAC grants. And uh, we sort of did a few jam sessions with this group. Hmm. And then we're like, hey, why don't we just take this to the studio and see what happens? Let's make a demo. Because mm -hmm. um, there's a studio called Tedesco in New Jersey that has a really great rate that uh, our friend Michael Bates was, was sort of toting. He's like, you gotta go here, just record, no pressure. Mm -hmm. It's 250 bucks for a day of recording. Wow. And it sounds great. So we went there and uh, we each had tunes that we brought in to some sessions and uh, we ran them down mm -hmm. and like holy crap this could be a record it felt really great it was just such a wonderful day mm. we listened back to the tracks and uh, we decided to release it so mm. that's great man Panama so um what other artists are at this festival um like, it's uh, Daniela Perez's festival oh, wow. and so there's going to be a ton of um wonderful musicians from all over the world in New York mm -hmm. so I, I can't yeah. I don't know who's actually the lineup for this year Mm -hmm. um, so, isn't Danilo the uh, he's like the cultural ambassador for Panama? I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Great, great. Well, why don't we just get right into it and play a tune and then and then talk about some stuff. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey, you brought a couple things. Are these from that project? From the uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, Lagoon and Hiccup Blues. We um, actually, sorry, Lagoon is is not on it, but Hiccup Blues is. Oh, okay. Lagoon cool. was I wrote it in New York, I think. Uh, no, actually, it says here July, so that would have been after. But uh, yeah, Hiccup Blues is definitely one on Great. there. Great. Well, what would you like to play? Um, let's play. Uh, Let's play Lagoon. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I noticed no chord symbols. Yeah, there there aren't, but uh, the bass line is very clear as to what the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you we could start out um, with some bit of a lazy cowboy intro, I'll just come in whenever. Cool. Uh, tempo is like. Thinking of Bill Frizzell a bit, yeah. Okay.
Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Nice, nice tune. Nice playing. Oh. Really, really nice to, uh, you know, sort that out. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, the, the tune really kind of tells you what to do. There's so much space. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And I feel like I hear a Dave Douglas influence, maybe, but maybe that's because it's trumpet. But oh, I've definitely done a lot of listening to Dave mm -hmm. Douglas's music, mm -hmm. and um, and Ron Miles lately. Um, cool. And uh, Ralph Alessi, he's just some oh, current yeah. people that I really like listening to. So, cool. Yeah. And so Lagoon is that? Is there a place? Was that inspired by something? Like uh, certainly, yeah. Um, I'm really into fishing. Oh, really? And. Uh, um, I went over to Toronto Island uh, with Tanya Gill. Tanya Gill's an amazing local piano player, songwriter, um, yeah, composer, I should say. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went fishing um, on the island, Toronto Island, and there's a lagoon in there. And we were fishing and we caught a very large pike. Mm. And it was just such a great day. And I was like, oh my god, I caught a pike. Look at it. We could see in the water, it's like. 10 pounds. It's just wow. like some monster. It's a boat in the water. Oh well, gosh. not a boat, but you know, let's, let's call it a submarine. And he's just going by. He doesn't even care that he's got a hook in his mouth. I'm sorry to those who don't like fishing. Um, <laughs> but he swims under the dock and the line breaks because he just, he's like, no, I'm not getting caught today. So, right. Anyway, so he escaped. You weren't able to eat him. That's true. I wouldn't have eat, eaten him um, if he was a really small size. But the larger ones you probably don't want to eat just because they have. Um, history they've right. got a bit of um toxic so right I right eat that. but okay. anyways so it was a great day overall it was just really beautiful and mm. i went home and and i thought about just how wonderful it was to be you know in nature so close to the city mm -hmm. and uh when this this tune popped out so mm. yeah. and it's so incredible that like it's the key of c and mm. it's, there's the tonic and the dominant and the subdominant mm -hmm. and that's it mm -hmm. you know but you can still make music with that Yep. You know, even though it's old technology. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a lot you could do. There's a lot of freedom. And that's what I love about sort of playing on forms that are more folk tradition mm. is, is the freedom to sort of explore um, stuff that's not very conventional mm. Mm. and make that non-conventional sound sound like it's supposed to be there. Mm. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I love introducing a little bit of exotic elements into something like that, like, you know, playing like a sharp five in it or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. It just becomes so much more powerful when it's, like, surrounded by this just straight-aheadness, you know? Yeah, if you, cool. if you have the sound, the concept of sound, I think you can get away with a lot. Mm, totally. Definitely. So, Nanaimo, eh? Is it, you're from Nanaimo? Yeah, I'm from Nanaimo. Right. So many musicians from Nanaimo. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you, like, were you involved in music when you were growing up? There? Yes, I went to high school at Woodlands, mm -hmm. which is in uh, sort of center of Nanaimo. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a music program there, and we had a little a band shell outside. So there was a lot of freedom to play if you had like a spare block in your later high school years. And there's a lot of spare time and, and space to actually just play mm. and play with bands. So you're not restricted to certain hours to play. Mm. Um, my band teacher was uh, is Rick Becker. He's mm. he was he's he's uh, around still and supports uh, Nanaimo's music scene in a big way and mm. the island music scene. So 
Cool. So did you discover improvising in jazz at that time? Like you were a trumpet player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was um, taking trumpet lessons and uh, improvising lessons. And mm. Yeah. Cool. So um, what inspired you to uh, study music? Like were you, were you into composition at that time or were you more just into playing? I was more focused in, in just playing. Mm. And um, I had, yeah, a really inspiring um, private music teacher mm. in Nanaimo and... Uh, and he really encouraged me to to improvise and to and to sing too, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think without that support, I wouldn't have gone on to go to Malvesby in a college and study study jazz mm. and, and then go to U of T after that. Right, right. So uh, studying at U, that's what brought you to Toronto was studying at U of T. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how was that that change to come to uh, Toronto? It was pretty huge, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big uh, bit of a shock. I'd never moved out of my parents' house. I mean, I, I came to Toronto, um, yeah, right from my parents' house. Wow. And uh, living with a friend, and it was really exciting, though. I was mm. ready. Totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. But every morning I'd wake up and I'd go, holy crap, I'm in Toronto, this is amazing. Yeah. We, we would go for walks every night, my friend and I, and just, like, look at the buildings and, mm. and uh, you know, be checking out live music all the time. Mm. It felt pretty cool. Cool. So, uh, what kind of thing, like when you first came to town, like what were you focused on on the trumpet, like in terms of your practice? And has that changed over time? Yes. Um, yeah. When I first came to town, I think I was mainly concerned about, you know, getting a good sound, mm. practicing the technique and of, of the horn. Like there's a lot of technical things you need to put the hours in, mm. and uh, like any instrument. So I was sort of, had this sort of fresh, um, drive to just go for it and mm. I'd be practicing I practiced a lot um, and and then the language so you know jazz mm. language and you know bebop and learning a ton of new heads mm. Charlie Parker tunes and um, yeah just listening a ton mm-hmm cool and uh, who did you study with when you were studying <laughs> at U of T yeah uh, Kevin Turcott oh, cool. and Chase Sanborn Right. And Jim Lewis. Mm-hmm. Those are the trumpet teachers that I was studying yeah. with at the time. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. And um, so, do you feel like, as an improviser, like, sort of, what are you trying to uh, to accomplish on the trumpet? Like, uh, it, if you had, like, what's the kind of dream of how you want to sound? Like, do you have kind of a, something you're reaching for when, you, when you're studying the trumpet? Yeah. First of all, I think I'm, I'm really striving to have fluidity of mm. ideas and fresh ideas so um, uh, that sort of came out of you know doing, pra- doing the work and practicing sort of bebop language and being able to mm. sort of get some some harder to hear ideas mm. so that I could hear them and then um, also start practicing I started to practice my own ideas a bit more mm-hmm. as time went on um, yeah I, I I, yeah, that's yeah. Fluidity so it's a, of ideas, you feel like you're a language-based kind of player, but do you also um, like uh, like chromaticism, digital patterns, and that kind of thing? Is that something you've also been interested in in terms of your playing? Like, yeah, I, I hear a real melodic thing mm-hmm. coming from you, but I'm just kind of interested in you know where all your lines come from. You know? I did. Um, I love Chet Baker's playing, like that kind mm. of um, you know really melodic sound like really beautiful sound kind of melodic thing that's I'm kind of going for that a bit mm. um, sometimes I tend to play more inside and sometimes I kind of go the other way and just 
explore different sounds mm-hmm. um, within that. Um, yeah. Yeah, is free improvisation part of any of your upbringing musically? Yeah, I think I started to discover um, different sounds on the horn uh, in my third and fourth year at U of T. Mm. Uh, through, you know, the help of Jim Lewis, he was really, really encourages that kind of um, sound exploration. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ralph Alessi and um, Ron Miles both both play with that sort of side of, of um, playing like ideas and stuff is they really can play outside mm. but within a context that is contained um, and you know there's always a melody going on but mm. there's they can kind of reach for for things that are not something that you would typically hear right in right. Um, more sort of language-based Mm. Uh, bebop language or something. And did you you studied with those guys too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, I haven't studied with Ron Miles. I would like to actually. He's I think he's in Chicago, but mm. uh, I studied with um, Ralph Alessi wow. when I was in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. and John McNeil as well. Right. Yeah. And so, what kind of uh, things did you take away from them? Like, what what kind of things did they show you? <laughs> well, they were actually encouraging me to. Well, Ralph Alessi was really encouraging me to find my own language. Because that's what Ralph Alessi is. I think he plays really strongly with a language that he's developed, mm. and and he knows how to go in and out of a language that's been developed over the years, like you know, sixties, fifties. Mm-hmm. He can sort of do any sort of jazz language mm-hmm. very well, and he's a technician on the horn. Like he can play anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an incredible range, and just his technique is fantastic. His sound is incredible. But he really strives, I think, to play what he sounds like mm. his ideas right so he was always encouraging me to sort of just reach for that and uh, but also taking care of business so like you know checking out certain players and um, you know lifting what what I liked about mm. their playing and then going okay well how do I make this my own mm. and uh, that really helps me a lot right and the does the composition help you develop your own language too definitely like, yeah mm-hmm. And uh, Ralph is a is a wonderful composer, and um, I lifted a bunch of his music, and started to write tunes inspired by that as well. Mm. That I um, I play with Hobson's Choice, my other group. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you sing in that group as well? Is that I sing backups, you sing but backups, mostly yeah. it's Felicity Williams and Harley Cart. Right, right. Most of the singing. Yeah, that's an interesting band. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I I watched a video of you guys once and. Uh, then suddenly Harley started singing. I'm like, wow, Harley can sing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, he's a beautiful singer. Yeah, cool. Um, so do you have any advice for younger players that want to develop their own sound? I feel like that's a, you know, a difficult thing to achieve. Like, uh, like if someone coming up, you know, kind of wanted to get into creating their own thing, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, I think listen to players that you really connect with, listen to music that you really connect with, whether it's Patsy Cline or, um, or, you know, Coltrane Mm. or, uh, Talking Heads, like whatever it is, don't be shy to explore it and articulate what it is you like about the music. Mm. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a new thing for me to want to, like this right now is kind of, it's, I don't usually talk about why and how and. We don't do that. You know, I noticed that it's like kind of not cool not hip or something to talk about you know when you're hanging out to talk about the music you know we t- I feel like we talk about everything but the music sometimes right. you know? I think so too in a, in a way and in another way um, we spend a lot of time just trying to 
figure ourselves out as human beings. Mm. And so, and the social aspect or the, the community aspect is really important. So it's hard to find the words sometimes because we're trying to fit in somehow. Mm. Um, for mm. me, I think I'm really excited to learn how to talk about what it is I'm trying to do. Because mm. I think every year I'm just, it's, it's getting stronger. Mm. And I feel that. And I feel like, um, I think it's an important thing to be able to do, articulate what it is we're trying to do. Yeah, sure. What um, it means. What and writing grants is a great way to do that. Ah. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of like a business plan or an artistic statement and, mm -hmm. and honing that. Mm -hmm. But I think for young, younger players or, or older players too, I teach um, young and, and uh, you know, retired people who are revisiting the horn or music, mm -hmm. just to figure out what it is you like to do or listen to and then make that music. Mm. Maybe you compose something, maybe, you, maybe you're just practicing lines that you're hearing, writing mm. them down. Mm -hmm. Just do that every day. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Totally. So, um, yeah, well, how do you answer that question, though? Like, uh, what, what kind of music are you trying to create? Like, when you're writing the grant out, you know, I always find those questions so difficult. Like, uh, describe your music in the context of your culture, your, like, or describe what your artistic, um, how do they word that question? It's number two in the uh, Ontario Arts Council one now. Oh, you describe your community. Yeah. And your music and your place in the community. How do you answer that question? Um, well, uh, it depends on what kind of part of the community you're in, meaning like how you see yourself. Mm. Like how do you, for example, for example, how do you see yourself in the community? Mm -hmm. You know. Right. You know, and that's I feel hard like to my answer. Answers, yeah, it is so hard to answer. Yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, ideally, what, how would you like people to see you? Mm. Do you you know? Do you want to be seen as a I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but do you want to be seen as like a bebop player? Do you want to be seen as a, you know, coming out of what yeah. school of music? Yeah, I, I, I definitely want that tradition thing too, but then I want to transcend that and be like kind of like a robot or something, like kind of sound like a computer, mm -hmm. like be able to play really fluid and, yeah. uh, and play anything, you know, that, that's sort of my dream. Right. You know, so then you but maybe that doesn't really describe who I am in the community. Um, but like, you know, you could say like, um, does Ben Monder ring it? Like, does that, f do you feel like you connect to that kind of fluidity or do you, is it more from like a... More like a Brad Meldow kind of fluidity. Okay. You know, like that just... Yeah. That amazing thing. And it's clean, it's like... <laughs> That's the dream, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then you somehow word that into your description. Like, right. I think you, you, like whoever, whatever musician you really connect with, you can kind of say that you can say Brad Meldo mm -hmm. clean lines you know right right this is point form and then you would finesse it yeah yeah now I was wondering what role do you see your music playing in the community that we have um well I think I'm coming from like the improvising mm. uh community and like creative jazz community I think and mm. it's, there's a big creative jazz community in Toronto mm. you know there's the uh, somewhere there um, music series and that's more free jazz but there's also like you know a lot of people coming in and playing shows that are it's not free jazz it's just you know it's just exploratory music or melody based music or you know um, it's just there's a huge range of, of music that mm -hmm. somewhere there presents and uh, there's a transact club where you're free to sort of do whatever you want and there's an audience for you if, if you sort of build up on that mm -hmm. um, yeah I think 
the creative jazz community is where I'm coming from. Mm. But cool. yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, why don't we play something else? Great. Yeah. Do you want to play uh, another you, my tune or, or a standard or something? Whatever you want. Cool. Either or. Yeah. What do you feel like? Let's try uh, uh, All the Things You Are. All right. Yeah. Sweet.
Yeah. All right. Nice. Love nice that playing. tune. Yeah, me too. Never get tired of that tune. Me neither. Yeah. Visits a lot of uh, different um, spaces for me. Mm. Can. Mm. How so? Spaces like. Well, I guess you know moods? moods. Like I think when when a tune kind of visits different keys, it's an opportunity to either try to keep it. It's not just two choices, but for me sometimes I think it's neat to try to keep a line going over it. Mm. The same sort of the same idea. Don't don't change the line idea, even though sometimes I do. Um, keep a, an idea going through the changes, even though maybe you'll become a little bit more. It's easy to come shaken off a bit mm. from different key changes, but uh, sometimes it's interesting to sort of treat each key, sing, key, uh, key center as a, as a different opportunity to create a new, you know, space. Right, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like finding those common notes or, or not being so explicit about the change of key sometimes, yeah. you know. I love, like, uh, yeah, I love finding a melody that just doesn't really tell you too much, like, it's, like without that, Yeah. you know, leaving that out and just... I like that too, yeah. It creates a space a bit, you know, mm -hmm. for interpretation, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So, I was going to ask, um, is there something that, you know, like, in terms of how you've learned to play music that maybe is different, that maybe you think is unique to you, that maybe you, that maybe other people don't know about or haven't done? You know, I'm wondering if there's any, like, sort of secret approach that you might have. Hmm. Hmm. Or something that you know, like uh, that you've gotten a lot of mileage from. Well, actually, uh, the practice of meditation has helped my musical playing a lot. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, I think uh, having a ra regular sort of mindfulness practice can really bring uh, a sense of stillness when you're feeling a bit nervous about it. You know, a performance or. A, practice session or a jam session or you know anything mm. there's just sort of um you can build up a sense of like grounding that can really be helpful to playing and, and uh, that's helped me a lot actually mm. is there a state of mind that that works best as a player like yeah as an improviser is there a state of mind that you're trying to achieve when you perform yeah i think uh, an open an open mind but also an open heart like um, there's a tendency to over-criticize yourself or, or other people that you're playing with when you're playing, uh, when you're improvising especially. Mm -hmm. And keep, just keep saying yes. Mm. And I think that's a really powerful tool, like yes and open. Um, and I think that's a sort of an improviser's approach too a lot of the time. It's just keep mm. saying yes, keep trying, keep striving. And um, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen sometimes. Mm. If you're trying to always control everything all the time uh, in a performance setting, then maybe music can't happen. Mm. Maybe it can, but you know, I think giving giving yourself and the people around you the opportunity to let new things happen is is really important. Mm. That's scary. That's a scary thing to like to um, not know what's going to happen mm -hmm. in a way, you know. And you know, it's we always try to like. Or at least I always try to know what I'm doing so that I can get it right or, you know, that sure. kind of thing, you know? But, and that, like, it depends what you're going for. Mm. You know, like, 
um, I always want to make the changes and know, know what's happening and mm. be able to tell everyone I know what's happening. Mm. But that's not music. Mm-hmm. I, I know what's happening isn't music. Mm. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm playing, if I'm improvising and I, I don't play what I meant to play, I'm playing some really crunchy note and I'm like, whoops, I didn't mean to play that. I'm not going to say oops and I'm going to keep saying yes, keep going. Mm. Um, that's something I've practiced. Because mm-hmm. if you shut down, then it's over. Right. Even if it's for that minute, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, part of that is like knowing your, the music so well that you can experience that freedom. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's not like it's not just like open mind and go. I mean, no, you no. kind of there's a ton of skill involved with that too, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm talking about performance. Yeah. So practice is a different thing. Mm. Um, practicing to play within con. Constructs like in a practice session, like okay, I'm only gonna play, um, I'm gonna play three note phrases, mm. or I'm gonna play, I'm gonna be playing uh, Lydian sound now, mm. or I'm gonna play um, Dorian mode, or I'm gonna play this, I'm gonna play these shapes, I'm gonna play only fourths intervals. Mm-hmm. That's really important because mm. because then that'll allow you to play what you hear later on. Mm-hmm. But then. If you don't play what you hear in a performance setting, that's when you say yes. Mm-hmm. If, if something comes out of your horn or your instrument that you're like, whoops, I didn't mean to play that, in the performance setting, you need to say yes and you need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, that controlling kind of feeling is, is a really heavy kind of uh, roadblock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. For me, and, it is. Yeah. I can only speak in my own. Oh yeah. yeah, no, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, did you? Um, when did you start meditation? Like, uh, do, do you, were you a professional musician before you started that practice, and and after? I started meditating um, after I met uh, my husband, Michael mm-hmm. Herring. Yeah. And he was, he's been practicing Tai Chi and meditation for years. He's mm-hmm. now actually a, he can he teaches Tai Chi and um, mm. meditation class. Mm. Um, and uh, so when we first met and he was like hey would you like to come to meditation class Um, it's like a non-religious sort of Mm -hmm. practice it's more like just mindfulness you know vipassana and I was like sure of course and then we went and I went to a few classes and I loved it Mm. and I could already sort of sense this this different feeling that was happening because of it just as a space Mm. and uh, awareness surrounding that so that was like It would have been eight years ago, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. And then I really started to practice it a lot, um, meditation, when uh, I was having a bit of a rough patch and I was feeling a lot of anxiety mm. just sort of coming, bubbling up. And when I started to practice it more, I was starting to realize some things and just sort of become aware of certain, certain sort of personality traits that I have or, or just like behaviors or habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started to slowly melt away because mm. of this meditation practice. Wow. It's not easy, you just you have to sit with it. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it really is about more than just the instrument playing music, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it really is, has a lot to do with, uh, I think, other things too. You know, the way you live your life and all that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know? It's Exercise. Exercise, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I just came off a tour, so I've had the tour diet of Tim Hortons. Oh, great. And burgers from Places that are bars that I'm playing at, you know. Yeah. So I've definitely put on some winter pounds. Another yeah. feeling. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, cool. So, um, tell me about your writing process. Like, do you write every day, or is it come kind of come in spurts? Or yeah, I was writing a lot um, coming out of uh, that trip that Michael and I were when we were in Brooklyn. We were, mm -hmm. we were there for seven months. Wow. I made a practice of it. Like every morning, I would um, get my coffee before mm -hmm. eating. I know that's bad for your tummy, but it was. Mm -hmm. wonderful feeling <laughs> grab the coffee sit down at the piano or my accordion um, and start coming up with some ideas mm -hmm. um, for half an hour was my minimum so I made even if I didn't feel like writing I would just do that first thing in the morning and often that half an hour would turn into two hours or four hours wow. or I would start and then I would stop and I'd practice horn or accordion and and that idea would be swimming around in my head and I would go back to it and mm. start writing it down um, and that kind of kept going after coming back to Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and then slowly I've become a bit more busy and my, my schedule's been a bit hectic. So mostly I'm just trying to deal with that mm -hmm. and uh, the scheduling and stuff. So there's never an excuse. There's always time to write. Right. But uh, mm -hmm. I need to go back to it. And um, are the compositions, do they kind of, you write them and then they find a place in one of your projects? Or are you thinking about instrumentation and players when you, when you compose? Um, when I write for Hobson's Choice, for example, I'm thinking, I'm very much thinking Hobson's Choice and that mm. instrumentation and what each player can do, mm. and what, you know, what what music can I write that will um, be best suited for this band, mm. uh, for each player in the band, mm. etc. Um, and then when I pl when I write lead sheet tunes, kind of like Lagoon or Hiccup Blues here, I'm more thinking I'm gonna write a tune that's I can bring into any scenario and just. Mm -hmm. play it with anybody so mm -hmm. I, I I like the universal universal kind of lead sheet mm -hmm. tune as right well. but the Hobson's Choice tunes are more epic and more through composed mm -hmm. cool and I, I think I was I was reading through your bio um you're doing a brass band thing as well yeah fog brass band fog brass band cool I haven't heard that group yet cool well yeah, yeah we're gonna be uh, hopefully doing a um, cross Canada tour next summer um, through the jazz festivals, we uh, we got some offers from some jazz festivals, so I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. We have a four-song EP called Cast Toward Shore, and it's you know it's four songs inspired by fishing. Oh, really? La uh, Lagoon is on there, uh -huh. and Cast Toward Shore is a tune it's about fishing, of course. Just fifteen more minutes mm -hmm. is another tune about fishing. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and inertia. It's, yeah, so it's kind of like a. Uh, New Orleans brass band meets sort of modern jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And how do you like writing for a larger group like that? Um, well, the cool thing about that band is I could bring in, in these lead sheets and just say, let's play it and let's make make an arrangement. Ah. Let's let's uh, kind of discover what we can do with this tune. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy to write sort of more outlines for that group and then we fill in the rest with. Mm-hmm. That's your creative improvised music. Um, personality shining through there. Yeah. Yeah, letting people collaborate on your compositions. That's, That's interesting. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Thanks. Yeah. I'm jealous. I, I feel like a control freak talking to you. <laughs> well, you know what I love too, though, is is the, that real disciplined approach to, to playing a style or, or like a language mm -hmm. so fluidly mm -hmm. that there's freedom in that. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's cool like I, I love that too I really want that to happen too but sometimes I realize like 
certain t modes of practicing don't work for me. Mm. And so if I, if I don't feel good practicing in a certain way, um, then uh, I'm going to stick with it for a while, but I'm probably going to start moving towards something that I do feel like playing in and realize the kind of player that I can be or want to be. Mm. Mm. But I, yeah, I definitely wanted to play like Clifford Brown for a long time. Right. And I realized, you know, yeah, I can use some of that language and I can always improve and listen to Freddie Hubbard and listen to these people who are just, their language is just so tight and so, yeah. like, and just so driving. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. But I guess in a lot of ways, those those players that you mentioned, I mean, they were writers too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They kind of became who they were through this creative process, you know? It's kind of the same thing, right? Sure. Yeah. But I guess the not the same thing is like imitating them and trying to become like them, you know, which mm -hmm. I am constantly trying to do anyway, but, you know. Yeah, but you sound like Nathan. Right. You I sound like so. you. Yeah. I hope so, I yeah. De I definitely think so. That's cool. It's been a long time since I've played like really any free music, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and it's actually when I think about doing that, it is kind of a frightening thing now. Like, I don't know for some reason, I I just feel like when I don't have harmony to hold on to, it's just totally a scary thing, you know. Yeah, the yes is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, saying yes. Mm. It, yeah, it is scary. I could see that, but I think it it's less scary now the more I do it because I have more tools. Mm. So I think. That's really helpful. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, shall we do this blues? Yeah, sure. Take yeah. a blues. I love a blues. So why is it called the hiccup blues? Because the the syncopation of the melody, or did there's you have a, a hiccup and then think? There's of a, a song? hiccup. Like I mean, I, I think I had hiccup once. The hiccups while I was in. Uh, when I was in Brooklyn, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna write a blues called the Hiccup Blues. You know, the hiccups that never leave, they're just like, mm -hmm. you can't catch your breath properly, and mm -hmm. just, oh, it sucks. Super embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I wrote this one. So there's a bit of a hiccup, um, you know, it's written here. Ah, okay. You know, cool. so there can be, a, it can be a sound, it can be like a choke, you know? Mm -hmm. Whatever that means to you. I'm not, okay. gonna, I'm not gonna tell you okay. what to do, you know? I will improvise something. Cool. And this is totally a dirty, kind of like, imagine it being a shuffle, kind of dirty blues. Okay. Two times in, one time out. And uh, on the time out, we're going to go to that, uh, that coda. Okay. Sweet. Actually, I, I changed my mind. It's actually two times in, two times out. Okay. With the coda. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Sweet. Okay. One. Thank you. 
finished a huge run of gigs. Um, I was playing at Massey Hall on the 28th with the Women's Blues Review. Cool. The, the, there was a lot of uh, work leading up to that and rehearsals. So that's slowly leaving my mind and making room for new things. So February uh, 1st, I think it is, uh, Fog is playing at the Emmett Ray. Mm. And, um, and then the 20... February 28th, we're Fog, again, we're playing at uh, the Somewhere There Festival. That's really cool. I'm very excited about that. Um, before that, we'll be playing in Panama in January, so I guess Toronto's, Toronto, uh, right. Torontonians won't be able to make that one. All our Panama <laughs> listeners, though, be sure to go out. <laughs> yeah, um, and then December, I think I've got some shows with um, the Soul Pepper Theatre. Oh. I'm doing this Christmas show uh, with the heavyweights. Like I'm subbing in for... Uh, Pittman and Challoner as the trumpet player for the heavyweights in mm -hmm. that production. It's going to be great. Um, you can check out the um, Soul Pepper Theatre website for dates. Mm -hmm. They're not in the front of my brain right now. And uh, I think my uh, monthly gig at the Transac is happening. It's the third Sunday of the month. So that'll be happening near the end of December. Hmm. What group uh, do you use there? That's uh, a makeshift island. And that's with uh, Dave Clark on drums, Tanya Gill on piano, mm -hmm. and Michael Heron on the bass. Beautiful group. That's a nice band. It's fun. Love Dave Clark, man. Yeah, me too. He's such a great drummer. Yeah. yeah. He's such a, a good person. Very influential in my life, actually. He got me writing more and and uh, just sort of opening up a bit. Yeah, doing that kind of yes mm -hmm. thing. That's right. really cool. Yeah, he's a very prolific composer, isn't he? Very. Yeah. 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 He cool. writes songs. He writes lyrics. Mm -hmm. Arranging now, he's doing a lot of arranging. Cool. So, yeah. Wow. Neat. All right, well, thanks for hanging out. This thanks was for fun. Me. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear you. Good thanks. to play duo. I don't think we've ever done this before. Yeah, we should do it again. Yeah, sure. Great. All right. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> 